Hey, listeners, it's time for another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we're watching the movies that you tell us to. I am your host, John, and with me, as always, my co-host, Jeff, is here. Well, hello there! That's right, we're both here, and we are both ready to get wild in the streets? Oh, more like wild in the sheets. Uh? Wait, or is it wild in the streets, mild in the sheets is the... Yes. That's the thing you'd probably want to... Lady in the sheets. (laughs) Who wants to hear that I'm mild in the sheets? I guess it's better than being, like, spicy in the sheets. I'm spicy in the sheets. I'm gonna... (laughs) Yeast infection in the sheets is what I'm known as. (laughs) Uh, But this is a 1968 movie that is... I mean, it feels like it wants to be along the same lines as, like, Reefer Madness or any of those let's warn people about one of the dangers of today movies. Yeah, it's a Twilight Zone for the greatest generation. Yeah. Is, is much what it is. Because it's just like, the perils of the youth. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to right away just jump in to the very first thing that Roger Ebert said of <laughs> Wild in the Streets. He's got a which famous is, review of this. Oh, not a famous one, just his review. Oh, okay. (laughs) Once you've experienced a concert by a group like the Beatles or the Doors, the fascist potential of pop music becomes inescapable. There is a primitive force in these mass demonstrations that breaks down individualism and creates a joyous mob. Thanks, old man. Yeah, great. Old man yells at Cloud. That's kind of a bummer. I was really... I was... I usually have a little bit of respect, at least, for Ebert. I think he's, he's a good writer and had a lot of good thoughts, but... But thinking that there's something magic about the the crowd nature of concerts as opposed to, like, revival tents or something is a little blindered, let's say. I mean, I understand, at least in the time period, you're looking at really sort of the first time you've gotten the ability to have Mm -hmm. a massive concert that was also not, like for fancy people like normally you'd be like oh we went to the orchestra or something like that yeah so instead of it being like oh you know normally you get raucous and body down at you know some little venue and watch some band or yeah whatever it's it's the it's the first era of what you would call arena or tv rock exactly it's only four years after the beatles on what's his face's show that changed the world yep i i used to be able to tell you that i would be able to tell you that ed sullivan ed sullivan show it's been a while uh but so, I mean, I can see that it's kind of, but it's weird. I mean, I guess it's because it's a hindsight thing to, to to look at this and not go, yeah, it's just another source of screaming people. And it's it's weird because it's 1968 when they made this. There was no shortage of, of, uh, of massive demonstrations occurring in the streets at that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the characters in this movie is named Charlie X. He's the only black guy in the movie. He's like, Charlie X. I wonder where they got that X. Oh, yes. No, the, the fact that, this movie is like the real danger is youth because youth have ideas now and we shouldn't let them. Yeah. Although I'm going to say when we get into the full spoiler in depth part of this, uh, this movie really makes me unsure about who I'm supposed to be rooting for. Cause kind of everyone is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it's a twilight zone movie. It's a twilight zone movie aimed at the greatest generation, but the person who's having the unexpected twist is the main character, I don't remember his name, Davey or whatever. Oh, the the musician? The musician, yes. yes. Um, a, a, and uh, he he's the one who has the unexpected twist moment where, like, a horrible thing, you know, where he's like, oh, no, my petard. Yes. Uh, 
but he is also just an unrepentant asshole all the way through it. So there really isn't a character in this movie where you're like, I think the person you're probably supposed to identify most with is the up up and coming new senator Fergus Johnny Fergus Johnny Fergus who gets kind of discarded halfway through and is sort thing of thing is a victim he of turns the... into a huge asshole yeah they all do but he's the, but he's the one who by the standards of 1968 is the reasonable one where he's like yes <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a Democrat and I would like for children to, or or a, a, a people at the age of 18 to vote a perfectly reasonable thing which at this point I think it was six. Nine when they finally put fully the 18-year-old vote, because there was like a emergency in 65 thing where you could vote, but it wasn't actually ratified in or amended into the Constitution. Yeah, it was, it was in uh, Nixon, and it was in 1970. 70, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, this is right around the point where you're like, yeah, but they already kind of can vote because of... The, the Emergency Powers the emergency Act of powers. 1965, yes. So... It was, it's kind of weird. It's, I mean, no spoiler. It's definitely way more boring than the idea of like, oh, children rise to power and throw off adults would seem yeah, because well, of it being 75% musical interlude. It's funny because it's almost like it's a, um, it's like a prequel to Logan's run. Oh yeah. is kind of the, the vibe you get from it, but it takes four fucking ever to be that. Uh, like I was... Because I always watch the movies before John does, because because uh, I'm usually busier. I can't watch it in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, on Tuesday night, I was messaging him like, "I'm trying to watch this, man. It's been 45 minutes and fucking nothing has happened yet. <laughs> and the movie is is about 90 minutes long, so they could cut vast majority. This could have been a 20 minute movie. Oh yeah, this definitely feels like one of those. And now little Johnny finds out the dangers of smoke. And you're like, okay, this is one of those PSA, like, yeah. oh, the troubles of red China. Yeah. And and then they stuff it full of characters that have no business. Just oh, no yeah. business. Like, you've got the uh, Shelly Winters is the mom just uh, doing I, nothing. She's got like, they, they want to portray her as a, as a character who, you know, discarded her child and then tries to run back to him once he's famous. And she's a little crazy and there's all this, but there's, she's got no arc. She's oh, got yeah, nothing she has, to do. She has no arc and no influence on the story, like, no. at all. It's just every once in a while she comes in and just constantly squawks until she's gone again. She, it, it, honestly, the thing that I got from watching this, I don't watch a lot of 60s movies, mm -hmm. is that she felt reminded me a lot of every mom character in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because the direction at the time was just just complain constantly. Never Don't make any noises that anyone are recognizable as words, but just come in and be like, bah, 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 and for the whole scene. For twenty minutes straight, just do that. All of you, all of you are doing that, and and it, it'll it'll let the the audience know how much I, the director, hate the female. <laughs> I mean, I feel like her role in this is much more. We needed a name attached to this, and we got Shelley Winters, and by God, we're gonna put her in the movie, <laughs> even though we do not better. have anything for. They could have made her a senator or something, but uh, that's crazy. Oh, no. that's nuts. That's ridiculous. senators are, are elderly gentlemen in suits with mustaches. I don't know why the suits have mustaches, but they do. It's the sixties. <laughs> uh so yeah, not a great film. Kind of boring. Definitely. At least aggressively stupid, but you know, at least because it, it's supposed to be heightened reality. Yeah, I mean, if you took all of the do nothing parts of this movie out, you could get down to a good thirty, forty-five minute, mm -hmm. like you know, Twilight Zone episode. I think the thing I think, and I'll definitely get into this deeply when we make our way across to the other side of the, of the music line. Is I feel like at each stage of this movie, it's a different film. 
Like for the first five minutes of the movie, it's it's a film about how uh, it's like the beginning of Taxi Driver or something where you see this kid get abused and then blow up his dad's car. And he's like a delinquent wearing a, like a, a delinquent dock worker hat and so on. And then it cuts right to like, now he's a millionaire. Let us introduce you to his team and like his team. What the, did it just turn into like a, a cool spy heist movie? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> uh, all right. We are going to play a little music. Mm hmm. And then we'll get deep into the very weird musical weeds of Wild in the Streets. We got a voice and it's getting much stronger. Now we ain't messing around any longer. We're back and it's time. We're going to get into Wild in the Streets. Now, I also, in addition to looking at the uh, review, Mm -hmm. which thankfully in the review, he's like, this is not really a good movie. I was going to say, the movie is deeply stupid. It'd be really weird if he was actually affected by this. Uh, He basically likens it to another movie. That does sort of the same thing called privilege, mm-hmm. but in that one, it's like actual uh, senators and media pros and the government basically craft an icon to control people. Oh, okay. Instead I, was, I figured of, it was just going to be an old, locking down the oligarchy, like what's actually happening right now. Yeah, no, in this, the difference between like, ah, uh, it's, you know, a pop idol being used by people who understand the media and mm-hmm. just some pop idol randomly get coming to power. Gotcha. Yeah. So so privilege on the other hand is more or less the Reagan story where you take a famous but washed up kind of actor and turn him into a populist hero even though he's already old and crazy and and uh Well no, cuz it's still a pop icon. Oh, okay. Well yeah, but Reagan was kind Reagan of Reagan isn't a pop icon. Okay, fine. He wasn't a pop music icon, but he was a he was a famous actor during World he War II. He was famous, but he's not a pop icon. Not even pop fine. music. I'm saying like okay, all right. he wasn't a young hip with the kids thing that's fair yeah that's true he never really was that yeah also he bemoans that ed bagley was typecast once again as an <laughs> elder statesman that's kind of weird to take to, to uh take a character actor actor to task for looking like a character actor well paul giamatti once again beset by the accusation or by the problem of being cast as a little nervous guy <laughs> why don't they let this guy branch out huh why isn't he the action hero we all want him to be? <laughs> I mean, we—he's been the action hero villain, and what would uh, shoot him up? Maybe, but uh, <laughs> but come on, let Paul Giamatti grow his wings. Yeah, I mean, he was the rhino, kind of, <laughs> for like a second, like on paper. <laughs> uh, the other, yeah, like, go ahead. No, the other thing I wanted to bring up as well is that uh well you had mentioned that this reminded you of like twilight zone episode yeah it reminds me of a lot of things but that's definitely part of it this is uh was ripped off like almost completely by sliders (laughs) okay uh there's a sliders episode where they go to a world where uh howard stern got voted in as president and then everyone under 30 had mandatory retirement just like happens in this movie (laughs) and we never went over 30 Oh yes. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, you start retired, and then you got to go back into. You got to go back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, and now there's so much pressure, and 
That makes perfect sense for Howard Stern, a man who wasn't famous until he was like 38. Oh, yeah. Why, definitely do that. I mean, this the episode came out in 96, mm-hmm. so how old would Howard Stern be then? <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. Let's find out, shall we? Yeah, by all means, go ahead. I'll start with the setup of the movie while you're doing that. The reason I was saying earlier this movie reminds me of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that it does a lot of experimental wipes and scene transitions. Yeah, true. Uh, and also a lot that aren't quite experimental so much as they just like, well, we're done with this part of the movie, so fade to black. Fade up again in a random different scene. Wow. 42 is the age he was in 1996. I was going to say, he was an old-ass man. He was He's one of those people that was never a famous young guy. Weird. Like a Reagan. Just like Ronald Reagan. I'm going to get this right someday. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to keep saying it's like Reagan <laughs> until I get it. He gets mentioned in the movie. There's a name drop of Reagan. because There he's is like indeed. The, the governor of California or something at that point. Yeah. Well, um, because they're like, oh, famous and he'll be in politics like that Reagan fellow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a single shot in the movie of a fake Nixon, which is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Oh, fake Nixon. Sitting in the big easy chair so you can't see any of them. But there's a dog. There's a checkers. There's some old beagle or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so the movie opens with we get the birth of our main character. And also before that, we get Shelly Winters because Shelly Winters, I assume they were like, oh, she's a tour de force. We're going to use every part of the buffalo on this one because she's just like, if you put a baby in me, I'll kill myself. Oh, oh, you've put yeah. a baby in me. If he's a boy, I'll kill you and myself. Yeah, it's weird to be like, okay, we're going to start out this movie by just instantly making it be like, all right, you need to understand that this mother does not want a child, mm-hmm. hates men mm-hmm. in general, and then we get like a few scenes of her straight up being like, how dare you ever kiss a girl, you dirty boy. Bring a dog into the house? Are you crazy? It's like a lot of mommy dearest stuff. And, and then the I, dad at least tries to connect with his kid a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Which is weird because then the the final scene we get of the kind of montage of him growing up is uh, his mom coming in on him uh, doing chemistry crap in a chemistry set in his room. And she's like, now what are you doing? How are you applying yourself? And he's like, I'm making lots of acid, mom. I'm all making of, LSD. This is all LSD because LSD is the thing that just comes in big jugs according to this movie. Hey, I mean, it can. It's liquid until you do something with it. That's true. Uh, I made lots of LSD, Mom. And she's like, oh, sure. And what's this? Those are bombs. I'm going to blow up Dad's new Chevy. Oh, but he loves that car. Yeah, well, he's a square or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a good reason. He's just, you know, he's a rebel without a cause here. Yep. And for some reason, I'm sure he runs off probably, I want to say... 17 maybe so so, yeah he's he's very young when he runs away but by the time he hits 24 he is a multi-millionaire with his own entourage yeah all of a sudden out of nowhere we get an announcer for a brief period in the movie uh and and the the announcer's just like yes and now the what's his name in the movie uh max frost max frost thank you young max frost multi-millionaire and recording artist and his tax man, the this uh, something, the hook, something, something, fifteen years old and the lo- the youngest graduate of Harvard Law. Oh yeah, the which I love because throughout this movie, they when they're trying to make the like, oh, we should make fifteen the new voting age, and they're like, no, that's dumb. And he's like, but my the guy who does my taxes is fifteen. I'm like, yeah, he's a 
big outlier to your standard 15-year-old. Yes, he's a weird genius, and I, I noticed you don't know any other 15-year-olds, and in fact, it seems like you mostly don't like children yourself. Uh, it's weird, because they also do that. They do a thing where it's like, oh, he loves children. Mm-hmm. He likes them even more than people his age. And then, of course, one of the people in the entourage is also a 14-year-old Japanese girl who is his masseuse. Yeah. Yeah, but she has almost nothing to do. So they introduce his entourage, which is like uh, a couple of... Under the 15-year-old kid, it's just a bunch of nondescript white dudes. Uh, A girl who never puts a shirt on. She's a child... A former child star. Now an acid head. Yes. uh, The Japanese masseuse. uh, Stanley X. Stanley X. Richard Pryor. Uh, before he was really famous, so he was, if anything, he was the real git here. Oh yeah, but you know they didn't know that. Yeah, and they have nothing. He has nothing to do. But no. Ri- but Richard Pryde's in this movie is a young Stanley X who, who you'd think based on the name would be kind of a send up of a Malcolm X would be kind of a militant or something. Nope, he's just another member of the entourage calling everybody he meets baby. Oh yeah, well everyone in this is just the broadest '60s stereotype of yes. like, keep it chill, man. Yeah. Listen here, chickens. I'm gonna te- I'm gonna sing you a song about fifty two percent. Look, we outnumber the olds, and I'm like, yeah, but you're counting everyone under yes. thirty, and that's that's including like babies and shit. Yeah, so. ex- every time he's like, yeah, we represent fifty two percent of the population, man. We got the vote, and I'm like, yeah, that's never been true. <laughs> Kids don't vote, even if even if a celebrity tells them to, they're like, hell yeah, we're gonna vote until like that concert's over. Oh, yeah. That was the the big thing for me watching this is I was like, oh, the idea that you could actually get a group of teenagers to do anything with this level of commitment. Yes. Amazing. Yes. I love that they keep using literally footage from actual riots and saying that it's just che- it's children doing horrible things. Yes. And it's just so funny to be like, yes, the, the fear that children will do riots. And they're like, here's footage of it. Where'd you get that footage? Uh, it's a regular adult riot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, isn't that a little disingenuous to show footage of actual riots that really happened and say this might happen someday this could happen but with your child (laughs) but uh and then uh, is there anyone else not really he's yeah his whole entourage is pretty much just forgettable white guys richard pryor Mm -hmm. and a couple of women that sit in the background two of them are gay and the movie tries to do something with that i think it's just billy the 15 year old yeah and and like his friend the other white guy who has nothing to do and the two of them are like very close and potentially gay although the movie being from the 60s does not want to deal with that beyond one scene where the two of them have a kind of intimate close-up conversation and then the acid head girl rolls over and is like you guys are fair and and they like Yes, we are. Okay. No, I mean, Billy has a couple moments where, I mean, once he chides Max for being like, I can't believe you only like girls. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And then at one point, someone was like, oh, I wonder if I could get, like, one of the girls is like, oh, I wonder if I could get that senator. And he's like, I wonder if I could get that senator. Yes, yeah. So he's, the 15-year-old is openly openly gay and kind of, it's kind of cool, but the movie doesn't treat him with any kind of respect for that. But I'll go ahead and say, at least it doesn't make him a weird, campy stereotype. That's true. It like, does not. He is, he's just a cool dude. He's a 15-year-old businessman. And similarly, the Richard Pryor character, well, despite the name, is just another cool dude. And, and uh, I, I like his sense of strength in all this. Like, when he meets senators and so on, he's just like, hey, I'm just going to call you Charlie. I'm just going to put my hand around you, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to think it's hilarious when you're racist at me. Yeah. Because I've got the power in this conversation. 
Unfortunately, our main character, Max, is awful. Oh, yes. He's just the worst. Yeah. Uh, he is just shiftless and weird. And his whole he, his whole obsession is knowing that youth... Uh, he's one of those 1960s kids who's just like, man, if you make it past 30, you're already dead, man. The only thing that's interesting to you at that point is if you can get a man to kill another man in another land, man. Yeah, everyone over 30, don't trust them. They just want to see people die as long as they're not doing the killing. And I'm like, all right, dude, I get it. I understand <laughs> what you're trying to do here. But yeah, yeah, it's funny. Again, it's funny because you're like, oh, this is a movie about the process by which the Emergency Voting Powers Act of 1965 was ratified into 18 and up voting. I get it. That, I'm up to speed. Nope, it's not. It's not. It's a horror story. It's like, oh, God, if you give kids the vote, they will fucking pump you full of acid and ship you to a to one of those internment camps from world war ii oh yeah no the fact that this movie i mean because i don't give a shit how we do it in order like basically ends with anyone over 35 being shipped to a concentration camp where they get pumped full of lsd is amazing to me well, especially because they also say like ah yes and the u.s is doing shipments of grain to all these other countries i'm like with who Who's doing that exactly? Yeah, that's the funniest thing to me, is that they're pretty much just like, well, I guess everybody under 35 has jobs. Well, no, because uh, 30 to 35, you're retired, and 35, right, you go to the camp. So under 30, you have all these people who are like, well, I guess we're farmers, and we're going to farm this grain, and then, but I don't like responsibility, man. Oh, well, that's yeah. too bad. You got you to gotta ship this grain to China. Yep. It's great because you... They don't explain that. They're just like, ah, yes, and everything continues to run normally, but kids are in charge. And you're like, no, that's not true. I think my favorite part of it, and I guess as long as we're jumping around, there's the scene where they take over the con the, the Congress and the Senate by just getting all the senators high on LSD and forcing them to vote against their own self-interests. Yes. I think. It doesn't actually show that. It just shows them pouring water into the reflecting fountain in front of the well, White it's, House. It's... Liquid LSD yeah, liquid, that they're oh, pouring sorry. into the water supply. Yeah, liquid LSD into the water supply. And the water supply, for some reason, is that big reflecting pond in Washington, D.C. Eh. I assume that senators in the 60s just drank from it like horses. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you were in recess, everyone would go out there. You'd hitch up your senator. Mm -hmm. And either if they were a classy senator, they'd bring their own little ladle with them, and they'd ladle water directly from the reflecting pool, maybe taking a second to carefully remove a duck. Uh, but most senators, the younger and, and, and poorer ones from the rural areas, would just drink, they'd stick their faces in the water. Oh, yeah. Some of them would wallow for hours at a time. Um, but they all get high, and it's just a scene of everybody being like, oh, everything's purple, laugh, laugh, ha, ha, ha. And then the next scene is like, and now the boy is a senator. And you're like, what the fuck, did, did, what did they do? How did he well, do? because <laughs> they did vote by show of hands. They do a show of hands So vote. they had every single one of the members of Max Frost's troops, mm -hmm. which is what he calls his fans, Yes, uh, sit next to a senator, and when they said, by a show of hands, they just lifted up whatever senator they were assigned to's hand. Yeah, but that's not how Senate votes work. So it's it's a very fun scene. It's oh, that's a, how that works. I know. I was going to say, it's a very fun scene, but it's like, none of this is making... Also, they don't discuss the Supreme Court even once. No. That's but, they, I, I got to assume they got dragged off to the LSD camps. Probably. <laughs> they're like, that's not constitutional. And they're like, you're not constitutional, man. Man. <laughs> but yeah, um... So he br he blows up his dad's car, becomes a multimillionaire, and then gets embroiled in a young 
freshman congressman's attempt to run for Senate. Uh, that congressman, J- uh, Johnny Fergus, is he is running on a platform of make the voting age 18. Yes. And he's specifically running in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the platform is only 18 and up in California to yes. start with. Yes. Yeah, which is weird because he's like, I want federal voting rights for Californian chil- uh, adults that's starting at 18. You're like... Wouldn't that be a federal mandate? Wouldn't that that affect? Well, no. I mean, no. You, can, you can do voting age differently in different states if you want to. Uh, yeah, it's true. Hey, uh, states' rights. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Thank you for reminding me of those. Um, but Max is like, no, man. I'm going to hijack your campaign with my own slogan: "14 or fight." Yes, because originally he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to back this cat because he seems cool and he wants the kids to have a voice. But then when it comes to him playing at you know, one of those political rallies, he just goes out there and he's like, well, everyone, I've just decided that this dude's old, fuck him, and yep. I think 14, or fight, let's get out there, and I know that women didn't get the vote by being nice and kind, they had to go out there, so we're gonna fight. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that almost all of his political speeches that this guy makes, and this movie is mostly political speeches from this guy, are just, old people are old, man. They're yeah. so old and gross, man. They're old. The only decision a 60-year-old should make is whether his wheelchair should be facing the sun or away from it. And I'm like, aren't you about to lose a bunch of your voters who are in wheelchairs but are not 60? <laughs> what about all your kid wheelchair voters, man? It's the six, It's 1968. You still have polio, kids. Also, you know, even if you did manage to rally everyone, say, 14 to 25. Yeah, I know. It's not enough people to win these stupid oh, votes. Yeah, that's nothing. There's got to be a lot of adults in the country who are vote. Notably, he does decide to run for president as a Republican. Yep. Uh, because the Republicans want him to run. They're like, hey, we'll we'll take lightning in a bottle. And that's kind of a prophetic moment for me is they're just like, oh, is anyone we'll famous? Take, we'll take <laughs> anyone that we think can win. It doesn't matter. As long as we get power, it's fine. We can deal with it. We'll all grit our teeth and just agree with whatever this idiot says. Yep. Gee, I wonder what that seems like. Oh, man. That that turned out terrible for everyone? Huh, strange. <laughs> we'll all go on TV constantly and be like, none of us like him, and we're going to strongly consider voting against his interests. <laughs> no, we won't. Eh, we're not doing anything. Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, he, he hijacks the dude's campaign, and I got to say, the way he hijacks it is by playing a long, boring song. Uh, which is the way he does everything. There's like six long, boring 60s songs. And these guys, they keep getting described throughout the movie because his entourage isn't just his entourage. They're his band. Yes. Like his uh, the H- Hook, the guy who's his, uh, his 15-year-old taxi. That's a different person. Oh, I'm sorry. The, there's Billy right. and then there's the Hook. Sorry, the Hook is his, the other the other uh, white guy, boring yeah. white guy. But Billy, his his tax accountant, is like also his trombone player. Yeah, and Stanley X is the drummer. Yes. Uh, but they more or less kind of sound like the monkeys. I was going to say, it really sounds like someone decided the mamas and the papas That's, were yeah. going to take over the country. And it's just really funny because every time we cut to adults watching their show, they're, they're just like, look at this boy. He's going to change the world with this music. And they're like, he's a madman. A madman. Look at him. He's a freak. And you're like, he's got, I mean, you can't, from the front, you can't even tell he's got that ponytail. He just looks like he has a military haircut, a button down shirt on, and he's singing a boring blues riff. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's lost his mind. Yeah, no. Every time they went to a musical number, the amount of times I could sing all the leaves are brown yeah. to what they were doing was all of them. Well, and like I said, they're all boring blues structured songs. So every song you'll come out and be like, 52%, man, they 
take off. They 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 want to sell his shoes. Fifty two percent, man. They're giving us the blues. Fifty two percent, man. You should have the vote. And you're just like fucking shut up. <laughs> just, <laughs> no one would like this. Uh, that's okay. I can suspend my disbelief and be like, sure, fine. But even then, I'm like, I don't care if you are as big as the Beatles were mm-hmm. at their height of power. No. I do like the idea that the Beatles would potentially, like, imagine if one of the, well, they're all British, so they couldn't run for president. Yeah. But imagine if an, an American equivalent had had somehow elected from, from that era, like Davy Jones or something, was like, fuck it, vote for me for president. And the whole world would have collectively said no. Uh, uh, no. And we saw that a couple of years ago when Kanye floated his idea. Remember, he's like, I'm the biggest celebrity in the world. You're like, yeah, pretty much at the moment. I should be president. No. 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 <laughs> You're not even old and white. <laughs> so it, it's it's a hilarious thing that this guy... And of course, the moment he becomes president, he's just like, yeah, man, now it's time for revenge on old people. My hope, I, the only thing he does is just try and take down old people. He has no other policies. Oh, yeah. It's very strange. Yes. Because, I mean, they do have a bit where, like, the narrator pops in occasionally just to let us know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where they're like, ah, now all of the U.S.'s foreign aid is cut off. We don't do anything, except now we also ship grain to every hungry country. And I'm like, that's, you understand that foreign aid also includes (laughs) whatever. Yeah. um... I like that there is a point in the movie where one of the people is like, we shouldn't have a foreign policy. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's Jimmy. There's a whole subplot with uh, the senator, Jimmy Fergus, who does win a Senate race, despite the fact that it was full on hijacked by by one a musical act he had at one of his performances. Well, yeah, because we've established that for some reason, all children will vote however Max tells them. And so because he endorses this senator, he gets voted in. Yes. So so he gets voted in and one he keeps trying to keep his own kids and he has several kids away from from uh, Max cuz he's like look Max was just a means to an end I needed to I needed his endorsement so I could win this senate seat and now I have it I'm still going to push forward with lowering the voting age because I genuinely do believe in that I do believe in if you're old enough to fight you're old enough to vote that's and so he's got like this one set of solid principle on that matter but he keeps being like look kid stay away from these guys they're like drug-headed idiots that they were I only used them because they were popular but they're they're absolute morons and his kid his gets oldest, militant. Yeah. yeah, his oldest son uh, ends up being like, well, fuck you, buddy. I'm going to go join him. Yeah. And so, then we have a scene where they where he confronts his dad later, late in the movie. Oh, my God. The I mean, even the beginning one is he confronts his dad to start with. Jimmy's like, hey, I want to go join him. I believe in what they're doing. And his dad just straight up like hits him in the face. Yes. And was like, no, don't. And so he runs away, mm-hmm. and then when he finds out that, like, the, uh, like, Max Frost and all of his people are super popular and that his kid has joined them, he, like, runs into his other kids' rooms and starts pulling down posters and breaking records, and he's like, you only get to listen to Winnie, you read Winnie, Winnie the Pooh! And little, little women! Little women! <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's right after he gets confronted by his son, which is hilarious. His son cat, uh, corners him in the Senate chamber, and I gotta say, every time a, a kid under 18 in this movie has anything to say, it's so uh, dialect-heavy that I have a hard time understanding what the hell they're saying. Because, like, after his older son confronts him and gets decked and leaves the room, his younger son comes up and is like, Dad... You know, I understand grown-up people are better. You're like, you're better baseball, I am. And also, you you can swim, I can't. And I, uh, I but someday, I, yeah. And, and then when he gets confronted by his older son in the, towards the end of the movie scene where he's like, hey man, we won, dad. Like, everything his son says is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Oh, yeah. It's just... Oh, you know, we've had foreign policy for too long. We shouldn't have foreign policy. And I'm just sitting there like fucking Rush going, <laughs> you still have me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> foreign policy is the, the tool with which or, or the, uh, the set of tools by which you interact with other other nations. Even if you don't interact with them, that's just isolationist foreign policy. Yeah. <laughs> you goddamn morons. And I I mean. I suppose that that might be the point of the movie. Yes, the, these dumb kids are so goddamn stupid at every possible second. I, their pants got so low, they just made one pant for each leg. Uh, you don't understand fashion, Uncle Ray. <laughs> the, the problem, again, is you have Fergus here, who, when we first see him, is sort of, you know, at least semi-likable they're supposed he's supposed to be the like uh jfk type he's young he's only like 37 and mm -hmm. he's trying to get the youth vote because he is younger than most other people who are running for seats yeah no i mean like he is he is i don't want to say he's the main character because he definitely is and he disappears for large stretches of the movie and he has a, a semi-villainous turn towards the end but he is by far the most likable neutral character in the film See, I was going to say, he immediately turns into a shithead, though, the second his kid turns on him. Oh, no, I know. But before that, where he's just like, look, I have an ideals, I, I, ideal I believe in. An 18-year-old should be allowed to vote. And when, when his, his thing is hijacked and he's, to a 14-year-old should be allowed to vote, he takes another senator to go and meet with, with Frost at like a pool hall or something, where everyone's just making fun of the senators until they leave because no one likes old people. But... But Fergus is just like, look, man, 14 is completely unreasonable. Kids at that age are still developing. It doesn't make any sense. Like, maybe we can settle at, like, 16 or something. And, of course, Frost is like, no, nah, man, my tax accountant is 15. Are you telling me that other 15-year-olds shouldn't be able to vote? And, you know, at no point is he just like, your fucking tax accountant is Doogie fucking Hauser. <laughs> He's a weird outlier. Yes, I am saying that. Would you like someone that isn't Billy to do your taxes that is 15? No, they're idiots. They don't know anything. He is an outlier. Stop it. <laughs> and even he doesn't know anything. And in the, in the scene, the big war room scene where they're like, how are we going to win the vote of the Senate? His first thought is, let's fucking kill him, man. <laughs> the, But even in that scene, you see Fergus going over to uh, Ed Bagley's character and being like, no, man, it's cool. I've got this. Oh, yeah. He thinks he can control these kids. Yeah, he he's under the impression that he's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm going to get them to change whatever their position is, and they'll give me the power I want. Yeah. So even when he hasn't done full, like, abusive alcoholic turn, mm -hmm. he still is kind of a shitty power-hungry shyster. Mm-hmm. So... 
eventually the big turn of the film because yeah he, they get fergus into power and it seems like it should be done at that point like like uh Fr frost can still control the vote of the youth if he wants to but there's not like there's any power or any opportunity for him to really do anything uh, and and also none of them can be like senators or anything because they're too young so they can't really go after power themselves yet until a senator from i think it's california dies and he was 84 he died of old age cancer got him i think it was yep and uh and they're like there's an opening there's going to be a special election and all you need to do is be 25 and their most acided out member of their gang the the uh 25 almost 25 year old former child actress uh who spends all of her time lying in a pool and laughing. Yeah, is, Sally Leroy. Is about to turn 25, so they're like, fuck it, let's make her a senator. We'll just tell everyone to vote for her, and they will, and she'll be a senator. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, she turns 25 before the election happens, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah, she turns 25 the day of the election. It's hilarious. And uh, then she gets elected, and, and it's great. It's a great little moment that, it, I was going to say, a few moments in this do resonate into modern times, because she is irritating as hell. Uh, like her her performance as a senator is that she won't put down the fucking tambourine for even a second. Oh yeah! At all times she is playing a tambourine and talking as slow as she can. It is awful. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus Christ! Why isn't anyone escorting her out of this building or anything? You're like, Oh right, because you can't do that to senators. That's why we've got fucking like Marjorie Taylor or even uh, Congress members. That's why we've got like Marjorie Taylor Greene and shit who are just wandering the halls yelling random nonsense if they think it'll get them an extra vote or an appearance on Fox News. Is is here here we see an early version of that. This woman is just like, we suggest the voting age, tambourine, tambourine, is twenty-four. <laughs> and we suggest the age at which you can be president, tambourine, tambourine, is fourteen, babies. <laughs> Yeah, her standing up to be like, we want everything to be 14, including, like, being a representative or a congressperson or the president. Mm -hmm. It's all 14 or up. Yeah. And, of course, the the whole Senate's like, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. No, we're not doing that. No. It doesn't matter. And, of course, the, the big thing is threats of riots. Because they keep like they keep saying, "Oh, if I don't it, it, look, ba look, babies, look, troops, I want you to march to the streets and make our voices heard, but don't be violent now." And I love the one news report we get that's like they haven't been violent yet, but there have already been three casualties. <laughs> three old ladies have died in their homes of heart attacks from how scary the TV footage is. Yeah, God, I I loved that that they were like, "Oh, these poor old mothers have seen the children of today and died," and she's like, "Wow." <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I feel like we're skipping all the Shelly Winter stuff. Uh, at a certain point, uh, when we, we just get the 52% song is before any of this political shit starts happening. He's just become a little bit political and a little bit mad at old people. So one of his concert footage uh, appearances that he does, a Frost, our main character, is this song called 52%, where he sings about how the youth make up now 52% of the country, so they should have a lot more power than they do. Yeah, which I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, Baby boomers probably not should should not have that much power. Uh, I oh you mean because that that's who the he was he was a yes. baby yes of course uh they're, they're outnumbered now they still have all that power I'm sure they 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 would ha hate to see this this movie at this point oh yeah <laughs> but I mean one thing they did learn the baby boomers is that young people including them don't fucking vote so yeah they were like oh we tried to change things politically turns out nobody young gives a fuck and goes to the polls so uh I guess we'll just control things yeah. But his mom sees this and is like, is that our son? 
It is. We're going to be rich and famous because our son's already rich and famous. And that's her whole arc for the rest of this. There's a scene. She bullies her way into a concert, finds him, and he's like, oh, hey, mom. And it's weird because he ran away from home a while ago and is now an independent millionaire who hates his parents. But he sees them and he's like, there's no, there's nothing. He just goes, oh, hi, mom. Yeah, come with me. It's fine. Yeah. Like, she gets tackled by a security guard while they're coming down the stairs from wherever their concert was. And he's just like, oh, hey, chill out. Let her go. Hey, mom. Oh, yeah, come with me. Hey, you can drive, whatever. And it's just like, I... I'm sorry, the last we saw of you, you were blowing up a car and selling LSD to get the fuck out of your house because you hated both of your parents. Mm -hmm. And yet seeing them, you're just like, yeah, come join my entourage. Fucking drive my car around. You must be so fucking blissed out on drugs. It's supposed to be the implication of the film is that all the youth of today are so hopped up on goofballs that they don't know what they do. (laughs) That must be just part of it. So he goes against his greater principles and he's like, hey, it's my mom. All right, whatever. I don't know drugs man except shelly winters behind the wheel ends up killing a kid yes and she she just goes nuts she gets behind the wheel and she's just she's she's just randomly saying crap and driving crazily yes it's the weirdest scene no it's so strange that she gets behind the wheel and then immediately is like going the wrong way down one-way streets and doing weird turns through the middle of traffic and you're like what is you're supposed to be not on drugs. What is your character? I get the idea that you are, you're a person who just realized that they have an easy path to power and money. So they're kind of, she's like a social climber is basically the the, the character that we're supposed to be seeing here. And she success, succeeds in social climbing. She gets a hold of her son and her son's like, oh, hey, yeah, come with me to my mansion, whatever. I don't care. And then her response is great. Now that I've accomplished my my stated goal of finding my rich son and cashing in, I will now drive like a maniac as I guess I am a maniac driver um, as previously not established. Yeah. And as soon as she kills this kid by like jumping a curb and slamming into him, uh, Max gets out and he's like, all right, get the fuck away from me. I'll, I, once again, I would like nothing to do with you. Yeah. And from that point forward, her arc in the film or such as it is, is just that, uh, we well, keep, they never meet up again. No, but they keep cutting to her being interviewed by reporters because it's now known by the public that she's the ma- this dude's mom. So well, there's all these reporters who are like, when he's president, what will you do? Are you going to serve as the matron of the White House? Yeah, since he does not have a wife, will you be the planner of the White House? She's like, oh, no, I'm going to be the ambassador to England because you see the queen and I. Yeah. So she just becomes delusional. Yes. And, and uh so she just stays delusional, and also the car accident made her husband a vegetable. So he's, or I think, because he never has another line. No. We just see him in a wheelchair, slack-jawed and staring ahead in one further scene. Although I think he's in the LSD camp and is just fine. Like, he's walking oh, okay. around and he's like, he's been cured by LSD. All right. Uh, so at a certain point in the movie, when the black shirt uh, military brigade start rounding up elderly people, uh, people over 35, and dragging them to to forced internment camps, Uh, she gets hauled off to one of those. Yeah. And that's more or less the end of her story. She, like, tries to escape at one point, saying, like, I have to meet the queen! Uh, Because she's on LSD, and cuts her hands on barbed wire, and that's the last you ever see of her. Oh, yeah. She has... This movie has no single narrative arc. There's characters that just sort of pop in and pop out. Well, it's so weird to me that... There are a lot of scenes that seem like if they had played them seriously, 
would have been actually effective. Like the Shelly Winter scene where she is like cutting her hands on the barbed wire, trying to get out of this camp. And if you had played that seriously, rather than for laughs of like, oh, I'm having tea with the queen. Yeah. If it had been like, oh yeah, here you can see someone like slashing their hands, trying to get out of this internment camp where you're like, oh, it's supposed to be a place where everyone's, you know, happy. It's it's gonna be. Yeah, but you there's get a to dark be blissed side. out for the rest of your life. But yeah. no, you can see the dark side of it or whatever. Except that she is the only character that shows any kind of resistance to it or unhappiness well, with it. When Johnny Fergus gets sent there, he hangs himself. Oh uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, but but uh, yeah, every other character is just like yeah, yeah, because you get to see Ed Begley there. Yeah, he becomes kind of the main character of the LSD camp. He's like greeting the new buses he's and got singing a little songs. Staff that he's walking around with. Yeah, he's turned into like a local wizard. They're all dressed in like these blue robes. There's a scene where he's leading a song. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just really. It, and the only person other than Fergus is this mom character who's just like, I have to get out. I have to see the queen. Except that this character has been nothing but portrayed as crazy all the way through the movie so it's not like it's a major change it's not like you can tell that she's under duress or anything exactly the fact that you're like oh the only person who does this you've got the mother who was already shown to be kind of off a rocker to begin with yes and she's just trying to thing is i was like i don't even know that she's on lsd i think she might just be delusional yeah this is before she's even drugged that could be and then you see, like you say, Ed Bagley Jr., who at that point nope. is no longer going, or Ed Bagley, Ed sorry. Bagley regular. Ed, ba- Ed Bagley classic. classic. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Ed Bagley Jr. at this time was like, nah, man, I hate old people and I'm going to invent the electric car. I'm never going to be old. <laughs> but he goes from being like, I'm the angriest senator you've ever seen and I hate young people to being like, Hey, he like comforts an, a crying old woman is like, it's okay. We're all okay here. It's fine. Come with me. Give your grievances to me, old mama. And it's interesting because I'm like, all right. So you're showing some people are fine with this and just sort of dancing and having a good time. Yeah. And then Johnny Fergus is the only one who gets to the point where he actually kills himself. Over I think this. it's supposed to be because he's the one who instigated this by, by, playing with fire his great judas guilt yes exactly so he feels guilty for for engaging this this youth in in politics when he should have known better and and let these kids become old before they had any kind of political aspirations i should have never thought that children should be given power yes like i'm wondering do you think this movie was actually like against because it came out in 68 so it's two years before the emergency powers act was a made propaganda permanent. against Do we think making this is, it permanent? That this is propaganda against making it permanent? Like, it's a slippery slope. That's sort of what I assumed it was supposed to be. Yeah. Because when I looked up the dates for when this was actually going on and what was happening with the vote, I was like, okay, so this has to be... I mean, it's obviously a message film yes. because that's what it's doing. It's so muddled, though. It's crazy how muddled it exactly. is. It's The problem is it doesn't spend enough time with any one idea or yeah. flesh one idea out enough to make it a good message plus all the scenarios it presents are impossibly crazy yes like uh, again like the whole plan was well okay we got one senator in we managed to to when one of these senators died we managed to replace him with uh, our our hippie chick who is just too blissed out on lsd to really be con- useful to us we can get her to say one speech and then she goes right back to crying in a fountain um so she's 
but so their next plan is how do we do this? Can we kill them? We can't just kill them. That's 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 too much. Can we just get them all really high on LSD? And you're like, oh, I get it. It's a horror thing about how kids use drugs as weapons. And it's just so mixed. The problem is because it has this odd sensationalist thing where you're like, yeah, there's three million teenagers in D.C. protesting. For some reason, they all have the money to do this. Yes. But I'm looking at it going like, this ends up being so weird and fantastical by the time you get to the point where they're, you know, drugging all of the city of Washington, D.C. And he gets president and just abolishes being old. Yes. And also takes revenge on the only state in the union that didn't vote for him. Yes. Hawaii is the only state that didn't go for max frost in his presidential election yes so they lsd the entire island yes and more than the old folks camps so that the people of hawaii are now like the only survivors are basically people who wander around in a weird blissed out state and just sort of sit on the beach they drown in the ocean they yeah. just sit in the ocean till they drown and so on and it's just like he doesn't have a real good reason to do that he's just mad they didn't vote for him so he's the our our, uh, our main character isn't really like a prophetic fear of a thing to come he's just a straight up villain no and that was the thing that i was getting at is with all of these it's almost like having a like a marijuana psa type yeah. movie where they're like Ah, weed will make you crazy because aliens have made it. And you're like, oh, you fucked up. Yeah, you didn't need this. If you had kept to the straightforward aspects of your dumb propaganda idea that teenagers shouldn't have the vote and just been like, yeah, because they're unreasonable and not mature yet. They'll vote for shit that's dumb. And instead of doing that, it was like, you can't let them have the vote. They'll mail your grandmother to Manzanar. Yeah. That doesn't seem... They'll have no foreign policy. They'll think it's a bad idea. You're like, what? what, what? You, you should prevent, present stuff that would actually happen because it would be scarier than this weird made-up stuff. But the president will go on drugs and kill a crawfish. The, I mean, the other weird thing is they also don't make it a, like, this is a threat to America. Yeah. Because you also could have gone, oh, as soon as you let, you know, Max Frost be the president and he outs all the old people and it's just, you know, teenagers and 20 year olds running things at that point, if they'd been like, yeah, and then fucking Russia and China invaded. That's exactly because you're right. an idiot. I kept expecting that to be the ending of this. I'll but be instead, honest. it was a communist revolution where now kids in every country do this. Yeah, yeah. Russia had... They, they, they don't even say the words, but they're just like, in Russia, in Moscow today, the equivalent of 14 or fight is being chanted in the Russian language by children across the nation. Yeah. And they just... Both Russia and China are, are dealt with by just showing a single screenshot of the leaders you just see like chairman mao oh yeah and and it's just chairman mao in red china now being taken over by teenagers they have their own song we ain't no yellow peril and now the kids are in charge of china yeah like i was half i was fully up until that point i was expecting that the ending of this movie was going to be you know america gets nuked yes america lets its guard down for even a second russia nukes at the end it's going to be a perfect twilight zone ending well yeah because I I figured you're doing one of those hippie things where they're like, we don't have a foreign policy. We shut down all of our silos. We just want peace and love. And then they get nuked. Yes. And this was going to be a, see America? Yeah. Never listen to these hippies. I was, uh, I could almost see it in my head of, of like, of uh, of the Max or whatever, uh, Billy, the, the tax get kid being like, 
hey, man, Russia just launched all its nukes at us. We got to retaliate. And Max being like, nah, man, that nuclear briefcase was cramping my style, so I threw it in a pool. We sold all of our nukes to Russia for this sweet LSD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We traded all our airplanes for grain to give to Mozambique, man. <laughs> we traded all of our aircraft carriers for these little pet rocks. They're cool, man. Cool. I traded all my rifles for these magic beans. <laughs> I'm gonna chicken. <laughs> I'm gonna leave behind all you jive turkeys, and I'm gonna go up and live with a big old giant with a magic goose and a harp. <laughs> Yeah, like you can see that ending of like, uh, watch out, America! If we let our guard down for even a second, Stalin is on his way, or whatever. You know, whoever's whoever. Um, and instead, what happens is our main character gets disillusioned when an even younger person calls him old. Yeah, because at some point, the uh, youngest child of Johnny Fergus, little Mary Fergus, mm-hmm. uh, ends up coming into their care. Which was another thing where I was like, man, if you have a kid at like twenty-five. That kid's going to be five when you are not allowed to take care of them anymore. Well, you're not allowed. You're, that's when you have to retire. You'll, they'll be 10 when you when you are dragged off to to LSD camp. Yes. Which is horrifying. Uh, but then again, we the only thing we really get towards the end of this movie, and, I, and we can jump around more. I've got lots more to say here, is near the end. Yeah. Mary comes into his care. And so she comes in and she's like, I want to do whatever. And he's like, well, you got to stay here. Why? Because I told you to, and I'm the president. you got to do what I say. How come you're the president? Because I got elected. Can I be the president? No. Well, why not? Because you're not old enough. How well, old are you? 24. How old do you think I am? Yeah, do you think like I Like 100? Yeah, and he's like, I'm 24, man. That's old. And then he just starts having like a uh, nom-level flashbacks of, that's old. Yeah, he's realized that even at 24, because this movie doesn't have him age at all at any point throughout it. I, I was also kind of expecting the movie, if it didn't end on the nuke scenario, would end on him turning being 35 30. or turning 30 and being forced into retirement and being like, shit, no, I got to change the laws now. Shit, shit. I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd stop being cool and die at 29. <laughs> now what? <laughs> uh, but no, instead, I mean, I know it's supposed to be a, ah, uh, you see, same as it ever was. All the youth resents anyone older than them. Oh, yeah, because he gets super high, drives around in his convertible, having the flashbacks about how he's old, and then for some reason goes rolling around in the woods, makes his way to a dock, finds a tied up crawfish, which he looks at for a second, and then just sort of druggishly steps on. Yeah, he it's like attached to some like circle thing, like some hoop, and he undoes it. And then he gets weirded out that it starts moving, so he just crushes it. Yes, and then three kids come up, and they're like, hey, man, why'd you step on our, our pet crawfish? His name was Williger. <laughs> and and he's like, hey, man, I don't think any of the three of you can beat me up, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and then he just sort of stumbles off. And then we get our prophetic ending line of the movie as we pan in on one of the three, and, and, and the kid just goes... Anyone over 10 is done. <laughs> We're going to ruin anyone over 10. <laughs> uh, I, I would love to have seen that step. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, just keep well, Anyone over three is dead, man. Man. <laughs> uh, drinking apple juice till I'm old, and then I want to get hit by a car. I'm like, for me, I just kept going like, 
there is no point as a 10-year-old where I would give a single fuck about politics. I know. Like, I'd be angry at that dude, but I'd be like, oh, man, what a jerk. Anyway. But he, I mean, even in, even his drugged out, pointless state, the president in this situation is pretty right, where he's just like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. You're 10. Like, like uh, even if I, me, who spent the entire movie arguing foolishly that 14-year-olds have adult-level emotional maturity... Even I'm like, 10-year-olds don't have any muscle mass. <laughs> you are a weak little baby. No. <laughs> You're kids. You can't. You genuinely... This is different than the teenager thing that I fought. You guys genuinely can't do stuff. <laughs> uh, there's lots of stuff you just can't do yet. Oh, yeah. I but, just... I love the point where the... They have the meeting. And the, like congressman and the band are together and one of them's like well you can't trust children under 18 to do anything reasonable and one of them's like well is every 50 year old reasonable huh mm -hmm. can i trust anyone to be reasonable yeah and i'm yeah. like okay sure but also you're not you're literally not reasonable yet because your brain hasn't done forming <laughs> It's true. Yes, there are untrustworthy people at every age range, and that is a thing that we have to deal with. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. The the percentage changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say this. If you let me vote when I was 14, I was a big dumb idiot. I, I, if you would let me vote at 14, I would not have. Also that. <laughs> also, like, I would have been oh, like, sweet, I have the vote. Uh, anyway, I'm going to play Chrono Trigger. Yes. I've been like, well, I'm 14, Chrono Trigger is out, I'm going to continue my new game plus until all of my characters are double-starred in every stat, mm -hmm. and what's that you say? Do I want to go with you to a polling place, mother? No, I do not. <laughs> Will we go to McDonald's afterwards? Oh, very well then. Oh, do I get a chance to vote for a hippie I have no particular attachment to at all? I'm 14, oh, I... <laughs> and I'm not attached to any given musical act, so I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing where they, they get that that uh, that hippie girl elected just because he wants her elected. And it's just like, I can't imagine even if he got 14 year olds the vote that they'd be like, yeah, that woman represents my interests. That 25 year old woman who is very slow and only wants to play a tambourine and get high. She reflects my experiences. <laughs> that was the other thing is I was like, you know, as a 16 year old, I would have looked at these people and been like. No, you're all idiots, too. Yeah. I understand that I'm an idiot right now, and I shouldn't have the vote. Yeah, it's a very weird, weird message of a film. It, it doesn't seem to add up to anything cohesive. No, because of the fantastical bits of it, you sort of, like we were saying, you get that message muddled, and because there's no, like, in a lot of these movies, you'd have the... You're goofus and you're gallant. There's no gallant in this film. No, it's just a bunch of idiots. I think it's 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 a uh, a whole. I mean, it's kind of like watching you know um what was I can't remember what like uh, Doctor Strange Love or something like that where it's just oh everybody's a problem. But Doctor Strange Love is a send up. It's a comedy. This is a fear film. Yes, this is one of those films that's supposed to really make you think. Yeah, I mean we've we've watched stuff like remember when we watched what was it called uh, the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Which was like a nuclear scare film from the yeah. mid 80s where it was just like, oh, I don't like any of these characters and nothing anyone is doing makes any sense. And oh, yeah, so this is a lot like that, but with a lot more weird production value. Yeah, because that was a TV movie and this is a real movie. Yes, it's just it's very unusual. Uh, there's 
There's other minor moments that are worth mentioning throughout. I still find it very weird that they finally decide to focus in on the the two characters that are kind of like visibly gay by having another person just go, you guys are gay, aren't you? And they're just like, hey. and that's like the full, that's the culmination of that, that semi plot line. I mean, not even a plot line. Like no. I said, it's actually okay. If it hadn't been for that one scene, it would have been nice to just have Billy be a character who was gay, but it's, it's just part of his character and he's in the background. Yeah. I was like, that's fine, man. Cause the whole thing is like, all right, well, no one t- treats Stanley any different. Nobody yeah. treats Billy any different. Heck, you know, they like, never even mention the whole Stanley is a black guy thing in this movie. It's weird. There is one point where uh, Johnny Fergus's kid goes, and look, the Negro, I don't see race anymore. I just see it as a guy who got started on his tan earlier than I did. And I was like, oh. <laughs> That's right. That was oof. the scene where, where, where Johnny Fergus's kid like tried to sneak into their house to warn them that something was about to happen. No. Oh, okay. That's so, when yeah. he was talking to his dad. That's a, there, there is a very weird scene where when, once he runs away from home, Fergus's kid, it, rather than just going over to, to Max's house and like knocking on the door, like breaks in in the middle of the night, where apparently Max and all of his friends sleep on the floor in the living room of their house in a big pile. Oh, yeah. They've and, just got a big pillow pile and they all sleep together. He lives it. in a giant mansion. Why don't they have rooms? <laughs> because this is one love, room man. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, yeah, when he sneaks in and they all like catch him and hold a knife to his throat. And he's like, no, man, I want to join up with you. And they're like, no, you're you're a kid. And he's like, exactly. You do this thing for kids. And I want to be with you. And I want to be a kid. Kids, and I want to be a place where a kid can be a kid, man. <laughs> I want to go to Toys R Us so bad. <laughs> it's just so weird. Every it feels like almost every character gets a subplot, but then it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Also, I meant Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where a kid can be a kid. Yeah, uh, Toys R Us is you're a Toys R Us kid. Yeah, when you're a kid, you're a kid. No, wait, all the way, all the way from when your first cigarette to your, your last, last dying, dying day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I need to be in a gang called the Kids. <laughs> what the hell was the, it's just uh, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. That's what it was. Yeah. It's been a while. I've heard they're planning to bring back Toys R Uses. Yeah, in pog form. No, they're going to be like literal still fucking brick and mortar stores, but the way they'll work is it's like walking into Amazon. Yes. You'll walk around, they'll have like digital displays, and you'll point to it, and then you'll buy that thing. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. And of course, the only Toys R Us in our town is already the, the, because the instant it closed, it became the headquarters for the local, like, I think it's Uber. Ah. That's where they do their their, uh, rental car storage. I did not realize that. Yeah, so it won't come back here. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, that's pretty much Wild in the Streets, a movie that doesn't quite know how to get the message it wants to get across. It doesn't across. even know how a movie works, for the most part. It's just sort of random yeah. jump cuts and scenes. And Yeah, I mean, I understand the comparing it to the monkeys just because it felt like watching an episode of the monkeys where yeah. they'd be like, oh, we're doing something, and then a music happens, and now we're doing entirely unrelated <laughs> shit. Like fucking watching Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeah, this was a weird political sketch comedy show. <laughs> Kids are going to get the vote, man. Ha <laughs> ha, here's something we can all enjoy. Now here's Roy. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our bests and worst. What is the best bit of Wild in the Streets for you, Jeff? Uh, I'm, I'm going to probably go with the not vilified and largely unremarked upon gay character who actually has gay stuff to say. 
Yes, that's, honestly, that's that the, is the so best, good and the, refreshing. The, the best part. For a 60s film. A movie from 1968 can do it, and Disney still can't. Yeah. Every time they're like, oh, we finally are introducing our first gay character for the 17th time. You'll tell they're gay because they briefly touch another man's hand during the end credits. <laughs> They'll look at someone of the same gender. <laughs> Who did we pick to be gay? Why, the only character in the movie whose name is The Fool. <laughs> Uh, ah, yes, we had a Cyclops say, my wife, and that was, that was it. (laughs) Medals, please. And yet here's a movie from fucking 1968 where it's not the point, just like what you just just some kids like, some kids like, hey man, I'd fuck that guy. I'd fuck that guy right there. (laughs) Hell yeah. And you're just like, shit, dude, how'd you get this little Nas X shit in here so fucking early? I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. (laughs) Too bad I hate everything about every other one of the characters. True. Yeah. Except for, you know, Richard Pryor's chill. Yeah, 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 he's fine. Yeah, yeah. He actually is a good character in the movie. Like, he's the one who needles the old senator the most in yeah. the in the scene where they go after Ed Begley. He's the one who's like, "Hey, man!" He's putting his arm around him and laughing when the guy tries to brush his arm off. <laughs> uh, anyway, what's your favorite thing? Uh, I mean, outside of that, I would say I do actually like the general idea behind it. I like. You know, of a I like the sl- propaganda film. Well, no, the the whole like, oh, what if kids take over? Like, oh, I think okay. my favorite thing about this movie is the Sliders episode that <laughs> it inspired. Aren't there plenty of other movies like from the eighties and se- and so on where kids take over the country? I you- mean, you have that Logan's Run shit. You've yeah. got. Uh, yeah i mean i'm sure there's other stuff too where like a nine-year-old becomes president or something i mean you did have a in the newest uh jordan peele twilight zone a like some 13 year old gets voted into being president okay but it's all basically a send-up of trump as him being like a 13 year old essentially oh yeah well but whatever uh but no i do I think if they had leaned into the fantastical weird aspects more or less, that would have been great. But uh, (laughs) I think I'm going to go with my favorite thing in the movie is we don't need a foreign policy. (laughs) Because, God, that was a great line of being like, no, no, you don't understand anything. That was the closest thing this movie got to actually feeling like the satire it should have been. Yes. Because it's it's spoken by that son of the Fergus senator character who is... An un- uh, just an unvarnished moron. This kid is an idiot, and he only gets one crowning moment of glory where he tells off his dad, and everything he says is the stupidest thing in the world. And the problem is, instead of his dad being like, that's the dumbest shit I ever heard, he's like, son, if I could only get through to you. <laughs> if I could only reach these kids. You, you could drive a man to drink, son. Oh, yeah, because you're part of the alcoholic generation. Instead of just telling him, like, that's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard, just what the fuck are you even talking about? Do you have any idea... What the lack of a foreign policy is a foreign policy, you tiny idiot. <laughs> you dumb motherfucker. This You're is alone why with you me in this room. Things. I'm going to beat you till you are till you are half dead. Because <laughs> what are you going to do? You've already emancipated yourself legally from me. I'm just going to push you over the railing here at the balcony <laughs> at the Congress. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Worst thing in the movie for you. I mean... I- it's it's going to be the disjointed aspect of it where it feels like scenes just kind of randomly jump to other scenes. You know what? Actually, I'll just take the mom character. Sure. Yeah, because she's, I, I feel pointless? like, pointless and awful to watch and not treated well by the film in, in any aspect. And not only that, but not treated well by her in, in any aspect in, in ways that don't make sense from scene to scene. 
Like the part where she's a crazy driver is like, why? We never established she was a crazy driver before. What the fuck are you doing? And there's a point where they're getting interviewed after the whole like, oh, I'm going to be ha- the ambassador to England thing. Where then she's like, oh, I've been on an LSD therapy and now I, I'm very calm and I'm cool and I, I believe in everything that my son is doing and I back him 100%. Yeah. And then it goes from that to her being hauled off and I was like, I thought you were cool and on LSD already. I did. There was a scene near the end after Frost is president where they are asking him like, hey, have you heard that there are adults? And it's like a World War II reference. They're like, yeah. have you heard there are adults hiding in attics and so on? What do you think about that? He's like, hey, man, if they're hiding in attics, they're not a threat to me. I don't care, man. Yeah, I don't think a few 37-year-olds in a basement anywhere are going to be doing anybody any harm. And it's like, that's just so... It feels like such a nothing scene. It's like, why why include this? Well, his I mean, policy on random runaway 37-year-olds is completely irrelevant to the story. I mean, it's mostly just there to be like, and remember... World War World II? World War II? Yeah. Huh? We have people pretending that they're not actually old. We have 35-year-olds pretending to be 25. What about that? Oh, well, if they can fool us, then they must be pretty groovy. I guess it's mostly just to make you think that he's not Hitler. I is, guess it's supposed to be the take because who's I don't even pronounce the guy's name Rom or Rome or whatever that dude who was like Hitler would never come after me even though I am of course a Jewish man or whatever and it's just it, it, it's supposed to be that where he's it, where Hitler absolutely did go after anybody like that this guy's like hey man if they can hide from me they can hide from me that's fine whatever as long I mean, as they're I'm not still fucking sending Hawaii. people with guns out to yeah. pick up anybody who's old but as long as it's not Hawaii man <laughs> fucking I killed everyone there I'm the worst tyrant in the world right now yeah. So uh, that's my least favorite thing is the mom character. What's your least? Uh, I kind of want to go with what we had mentioned with getting the uh, the child actress elected. Oh, yeah, because she's... Because oh, it made no sense. It didn't make any sense. At yeah. least with uh, getting, like, Max elected president, you're like, yeah, he's the one who has a giant following. And maybe if it had been someone that was actually in the band, I could see that too. Mm-hmm. If they were like... Oh, yeah, sure, Stanley's 25, whatever, we'll get him. Yeah. Then I could see that as well. But the fact that it's just like, he, what, came out and went, hey, everybody, I know this lady, please vote for her. And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and they do. And it's like, what what did that accomplish for you? Like, I don't... It's it's uh it's uh, sixty years later and we still don't take congressmen seriously. No one gives a shit. <laughs> you prevent me, you present me with a congressman like you. Oh, what was does Matt Gates do any actual governing or does he spend most of his time like talking about Britney Spears and trying to be on TV? Like it's it's never changed. You put her in charge and everyone's like, oh, now she's commanding respect. And I'm like, no, she isn't. Not <laughs> no no no. Honestly. Standing up and hitting a tambourine while you talk about your policy is probably one of the least stupid things a representative has done on the floor. It's not like wearing that Trump one mask to the to the uh, the counting or whatever. That's there's been a lot worse, dumber things that have happened in Congress since then. Having one who's just like, hey, I'm going to do a little love tambourine fast. Yeah, no, I could 100 percent see someone going down onto the floor and being like, I would like to talk to you, ladies and gentlemen and representatives about our new tax initiative. <laughs> All right. Was that jarring? Well, so is how much we spend on taxes. <laughs> like half the congressmen are famous for a random gimmick. I mean, we've got even the really good ones, like the one with the whiteboard. Yeah. You're just like, is she still, what's her, what's she famous for? That fucking whiteboard. Oh yeah. I'm like, she would be a blurb on the news and be like, ah, 
young freshman congresswoman hits tambourine as a dumb gimmick. Now, the yeah. news. Every congressman is just a gimmick. Every, most congressmen you can name are like, why are they famous? Well, one of them sued an imaginary cow. I remember that. That that definitely happened. Uh. <laughs> and then the list goes from there. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, let's go ahead and give our rating for the movie. We're each going to give it a zero to five for a rating out of ten. Jeff. I can't give this above a two. I, the, even if I liked the message, which I feel is just disjointed and stupid and fear-mongering, the movie is so meandering and boring and, and, uh, and full of pointless stuff. Uh, like it, it's got that, it's got that propaganda problem where they're like, well, th- what's the propaganda? We want youth shouldn't vote. Okay, well, that took five seconds. What do we do for the other hour and a half? Uh, musical numbers. Weird, crazy mom. Nazim Pedrad. <laughs> a piece of toast. <laughs> Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just full of filler. It's it's not fun to watch. Even the, even the message could be boiled down into like a 22-minute Twilight Zone episode. So I'm going to give it a one and a half, and then I'm going to give it to you. Great. Uh, God, I think a one and a half is honestly correct. I think I liked the musical numbers more than you did. Uh, yeah. Because I I assume you hated them. No, I didn't hate them. I just found them uninspired. Like, I know the 60s aren't exactly the greatest decade for music. A lot of crap came out during that, especially protest type music and so on. And that's more or less what you're getting here is the, is the mildest of the mildest 60s music. Yes. Because that's what they could write. As adults making a movie about how they're scared of children, they couldn't actually get a good band. No. As you can imagine. The thing is, listening to it, I was like, no, this sounds like the kind of shit that I would hear like on 60s radio. No, you know what? That, that's actually a fair way to put it. It sounds correct. Yes. To the, to the era. Uh, it's just that it's extremely bland and boring and there were better acts of, I mean, it's the, the whole popularity of the main character is based on the fucking Beatles from five, from four years earlier. And the Beatles sounded fucking great in 1964. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did like the music more than you, but again, it's so, disjointed and there's no real message there's no one to root for there's no idea that you can grasp onto and hold i think the thing i can do with the the way i can put the music is i can remember the songs whenever i come to a musical i can remember the songs i like you know i'd be like fuck yeah i really love fucking suddenly seymour that song fucking rips uh i yeah 14 or fight yeah and in this movie i can only remember the songs i don't like and those are 14 and fight and 52 percent because yeah, both well, of them are ultra-boring blues riffs with repetitive structures. There's only, I think... Five songs. Yeah, because I was like, I can remember the lyrics of three of them. Yes. And then two of them just... Whoop! They're just 60s crap, just sort of happening. Just some stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, like uh, it, I watched The Greatest Showman the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a single fucking song from it. I'm neutral on the music from The Greatest Showman. It feels too poppy for the time period they're trying to set it in. Uh, but even a musical where I'm hit or miss, I'm still like, I like this one song. This one song rips. This song, this movie, only songs I can remember are because I hate them. Oh. So that's that's where I'm standing on the music. All right. Yeah. But yeah, three out of ten, Wild in the Streets, there's <laughs> no really saving it. It's not one of those ones where... Like, say, you know, the old scare movies where you're like, you're oh, for madness. Yeah, you're yeah. for madnesses and so on, where it's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, you could put this on at a dumb party and you'd have a laugh for how weird it is. This is 
it doesn't take it far enough to be a goofy fun movie and it doesn't yeah. take itself seriously enough to be a good movie like i've never seen reaver madness but i have been in a bar where it was playing silently on a wall yeah because that's exactly what it's best for is just sort of weird disjointed scenes happening in the background of another thing like are you making a squirrel nut zippers video and you need some weird shit maybe use some footage from reaver madness that'll make some sense yeah but this sort of fails on all of the aspects you would want a movie like this yes to be yes uh, except for the aspect of can we talk about it for about an hour? <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> because by God, the two of us could talk about basically anything for about an hour if we had to. <laughs> I keep saying we need to do a new set, a new set of shows where we'll just review, just copy Andy Daly and just just review anything that anyone asks us to. <laughs> we should just do someone else's thing. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a, it was a short form TV show. It's gone now. There's not more review coming. There's a there's an open field. And nature abhors a vacuum. Exactly. So if you want us to review random shit, send us random shit. <laughs> like 50 bucks. Or that N-Gage that never showed up. I, I hope I hope that didn't actually get shipped to us. If, if you shipped us an N-Gage, it never came. Yeah. I'm really hoping that that didn't get, you know, destroyed Destroyed somewhere. in the mail somewhere. I don't, I, I'm, this is my best way of pointing that out, that I hope that guy also listens to Movie Mastery, that, that if you did ship it, we never saw it. I hope, I hope you didn't ship it, genuinely. Huh? <laughs> uh, but... If you do want to send us something, and that something is money, you can support us on Patreon yeah. at patreon.com slash system mastery. That's right. If you support us at only five engages a month, that would be very weird. <laughs> I'd be very confused by that. <laughs> but you can support us at any level. You'll unlock some bonus content from us. At the $5 level, you unlock everything we do. We get characters made in our RPGs and system mastery. We talk about weird stories pertaining to whatever book we're reading in Star Wars or currently Supernatural mm -hmm. in our Expounded Universe. And, of course, TV Mastery, where we are currently going through the old, early 90s SNCC lineup, looking at Nickelodeon trying its best to start appealing to a Tween older kind of block. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, a, a uh, 13 and up kind of block yeah because uh, before they had you know kids and they kind of had some shows for like oh you're like 12 or whatever but this was sort of the first attempt at being like all right you're staying up past like eight o'clock you're watching this we've got shows that are supposed to be things that you would be interested in mm -hmm. so it's a it's an interesting look at that first pivot to i haven't had this. cable since like 2005 so i have no idea what nickelodeon is like these days but my memory of it around the 2000s or so which is the last time i watched it was that it was very codified into three blocks you had nick jr in the morning regular nick and then snick at night that was like oh and then nick at night which was dead but was still like hey is it after 9 p.m fucking put on roseanne fuck it see whereas that is way more recent because it was before snick it was just you had nick I know, jr sons nick and then like Patty Duke and Patty Duke. <laughs> yeah, I know. Remember, I remember that Nick at Night shit. But that was by the time I stopped watching Nickelodeon, they had given up on the black and white fifty shit they could get their hands on, and had moved on to being mostly Cosby Show and Roseanne. Yeah, it was their late night block. So yeah, we're doing that. We are this episode looking at Clarissa explains it all, mm. which you may or may not remember fondly or not at all. If you're one of our listeners that isn't old like us, <laughs> we are going to be in an LSD concentration camp. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I definitely would be. I'm way past that cutoff. Yeah, that's why I'm never going to let a fucking kid vote. 
Fucking kids. Move it back to 21. Move it to 30. That's Fuck the, children. That's the rule I'm running on now. Only I should vote. That's my platform. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll do it right. Uh, so, yeah, go over to patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can join us for so much stuff there. And, of course, if you can't support us monetarily, that is super understandable. Things are rough out there right now. So, mm-hmm. if you want, you like what we do, you can just... Leave us a review on whatever you're listening to us on. Mm-hmm. Go on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. Give us a five star. Tell everybody you love us. And shout our will... name on the next airplane you're on. Oh, yeah. Just, just do that. Just stand up in an airplane and shout that System Mastery is a great podcast. Just be like, System Mastery is great. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm taking this plane to Cuba. Yeah, that do, should work out that, great. That, do that. That's That That would help us out tremendously. <laughs> also, if you could work in a couple of Baba Booies when you do it, that'd be... Uh... <laughs> Howard Stern's penis, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. <laughs> System Mastery is a great show. <laughs> uh, please don't do anything we have ever told you. <laughs> Or vote. Never vote. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We're going to be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. And until then, you have a good one.